contain some of the thoughts of God, but they contain the very words of God themselves. And we believe it to be without error and inspired by God. And uh, that uh, uh, we have the privilege to hold it in our hands, in our language. In fact, if we can't read real well, God's given us the opportunity in our country to even have it on audio and have people to, to read it to us and we can listen to it. I tell you, that's a great blessing that I hope we don't ever get over. I hope we don't just get to the point where we become so accustomed to having His Word in our hands that we just don't seem to thank Him for it. Uh, many of us have homes to live in. We have food on our tables. We have vehicles to drive. Things that seem mundane and every day, but yet they are God's blessing upon us. There's no doubt, and I believe because of the, the Christian foundation of this country, that God has blessed our country in a great way. And we've been given the privilege to live here in our lifetime. And uh, oh, that we would learn to thank God. And uh, we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. Let's look at Psalm 107. <clears throat> the psalmist writes, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the land of the enemy, and gathered them out of their lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Father, I pray that you'll bless the message this morning. And Lord, speak to our hearts, we ask, that we would become a more grateful people. We would learn to recognize your goodness to us and that we would be ready to give thanks always for the goodness that you've given to us, the grace, the mercy, the long-suffering, the, the host of benefits that you pile upon us daily, our health, our families, Lord, so much that we have to be thankful for here in the United States. So many things that we have to be thankful for here in this church. The people that you've so carefully and fitly framed together, the, the family that you have pieced together here, and the fellowship that is here, the spirit that is here. The fact that we love to read and study Your Word and know and understand Scripture. People that long to have Your Holy Spirit's guidance and power in their lives. I pray, Lord, that You would help us, guide and direct us today. In Your Word, may we see some things that will encourage us and cause our hearts to be drawn with gratitude to You. And so, Father, we ask Your Holy Spirit to guide and direct that You may receive the honor and glory for all that we say and do that when we leave this place, Father, their hearts will be overwhelmed. That we would love you more than we did when we walked in this morning. And so, Father, help us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in my Bible, it just is the way that the, 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 the printers of this particular Bible decided to set the type. But at the beginning of this chapter... They begin it with what's called a drop cap. A drop cap is a large letter at the beginning of a paragraph that usually takes up two or three lines of the regular text that's beside it. And so in my Bible, right at the very first word, there's a gigantic O. And I love this. Oftentimes, as I look at the psalmist, he expresses himself in such a way that he knows the truth he's getting ready to state, and in getting ready for it, he, he becomes so overwhelmed emotionally and in his heart that he gives 
this interjection, this exclamatory type of an expression as he says, Oh, the things that he's getting ready to say are so powerful and so overwhelming to him that, that all he can do is say, Oh, 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 he says, give thanks unto the Lord. Notice why we're to give thanks. For he, what's the next two-letter word here? Is. He is good. It doesn't just tell us that he does good, but this is actually part of who he is. This is part of God's character to be good. Oftentimes I'll be talking with somebody and we'll say, boy, uh, we like that scripture, that's, that's really good. Or we like this song, that's a really good song. And uh, can I tell you this, that when it comes to God, it's part of who He is. He is good. He's not just good because of what He does, but He is good because of who He is. His character is such that He is good. He says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy. His mercy. How many of us this morning have received the mercy of God? The truth is, even if you're unsaved here this morning, the truth is you have experienced some of God's mercy already. Because He's allowed you to live this long and give you opportunity to trust Him as your Savior. When He could have, at the moment that you were born and understood right and wrong and had the right to choose, He could have immediately said, You didn't choose Me. I'm taking taking your life away from you. We've all experienced the mercies of God. And notice the psalmist says this, that the mercies of God, this mercy that God has for us, endureth not just for our lifetime, but it endureth forever. You ever meditate on that? If it were not for the mercies of God, you know the Bible says that we would be consumed every day. If it was not for His long-suffering, and His kindness, His mercy... You and I, even though we're saved, would be consumed every day. It is God's mercy that we're here today. Some of us with health problems, but we're here. Some of us with financial problems, but we're here. Some of us with heartaches and burdens on our hearts, but we're here today. You say, Brother Greg, I don't know how I can rejoice today with all of these things in my life. We can rejoice because it's His mercy that has allowed us to be here. Oh, the psalmist says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. This Thursday, we're going to sit around the table, Lord willing. We're going to have family members around. And there's some places that are going to say, Why don't we take a moment before we eat, and each of us, Share what we are thankful for. And we'll thank, thank, be thankful for family. And we'll be thankful for food and friends and jobs and health. Oh, that we could be thankful to the Lord. For He is good. His mercy, the Bible says, endureth forever. He gets so excited about this thought that he, he exclaims, oh, and then he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I can understand a lost world who has experienced the mercy of God even though they have not understood it. They've been ignorant of God's mercy. 
I can understand them not expressing gratitude for His mercy. But the redeemed, those of us who know better, those of us that understand firsthand the mercy of God, those of us that have tasted of His grace, those of us that have had His kindness and His long-suffering in our life. Aren't aren't we glad for His long-suffering? Well, I sure am. I'll tell you, there's not a day goes by I don't fail Him. And He's long-suffering. He's forgiving. He's my strength. He he guides my steps. And even when I, I stubbornly get out of that way that He has laid before me, He's gracious enough to sit there and wait for me to return. Not just once, not just twice, but over and over and over again. I know people that if somebody does them wrong, they're willing to forgive, and then they do it wrong again, and they say, okay, I'll forgive them a second time. But three strikes, and they're out. They hurt me three times. They, they do me wrong three times, and I'm not going to keep on. I can't keep forgiving them on and on and on and on. God does. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for family, and I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for a good church. I'm thankful for my uh, the, the house I live in. I'm thankful for the food that's on my table. I'm thankful I have clothes and shoes. And I'm thankful. Oh, we are such a, a spoiled people in the United States of America. And we ought to be thankful for those things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But how often do we just stop and think of God's mercy? Oh, that we would think of Him. And the psalmist said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Have we forgotten where we used to be? When we got saved, we were in the hand of the enemy. Our life was going down a way of destruction. Oh, the way may have seemed right, and and Proverbs talks about that, doesn't it? We thought maybe this was the right road, but we didn't realize that without God we were destined for destruction. We were destined to spend eternity in a place called hell. We were in the hand of the enemy. He had conquered us. And Jesus gives us redemption. He comes and He buys us back. We who were rightfully His to begin with, He paid a price again and bought us back again. He said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so who have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the, west, or from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. And then He goes on in this psalm. He talks about four different kinds of people. I want us to look at those this morning. He says, And they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, there it is again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Here we find a group of people who are hungry, the Bible says in verse number 5, and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. I have no doubt that there are people today that are hungry and thirsty physically. And I believe that certainly God is merciful in those areas as well. But can I tell you this? 
that we're speaking here as we read in verse number 5 that it was their soul that was hungry and thirsty. This was a group of people who, who were looking for something that, that was not there. there. There was something that was dead inside of them that needed to be made alive again. There was a, an emptiness there. There was something that was missing. I remember back before I got saved, and some of you can remember back, and there were times that I had problems I didn't have answers to. And there were times that I sought for, for, uh, for, for security and, and assurance of things that I could never be sure of. And then the day came when I got saved. Oh my, what a day that was. It filled that void that was, that was there and it, it gave assurance and it gave peace. And I'm not saying that you go through the rest of your life never having another doubt ever again. But can I tell you this, even through the doubts there's the assurance that God is still there. Even through the turmoil, there's the assurance that God is still there. When we look around in our life, we realize that the void that was so long there has been filled to capacity and overflowing. Here was a group of people, the Bible says, that were hungry and thirsty, so much so that their soul fainted within them. The Bible says that God came to them in verse number 6 and 7, and He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation, all oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I like verse number 8. Once again, the psalmist refers to God's goodness as just part of who He is. But then he talks about His wonderful works. And His wonderful works go beyond just who He is. His wonderful works go to the things that He does for us outwardly. His blessings that He showers upon us, His benefits that He gives to us daily. There are times, even once we are saved, that our souls begin to come under such great stress and strain that it nigh fails and it begins to slip and it begins to faint. And can I tell you, it's in those times that the Lord comes and brings refreshing nourishment to the soul. Streams in the desert, manna in the wilderness... Oh, the joy that comes to our hearts in the midst of great sorrow as we come to His Word, as we kneel before Him in prayer, and He brings the, the comforter to bear upon our hearts once again. And the psalmist says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Then we find the second type of person in verse number 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. There were those that rejected God. There are those that are lost that reject God, and there are those that are saved that reject God's Word. All of them are brought down, and the Bible refers to here in verse number 10, to a place where they sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction. We find here a chastening of God, a discouragement, the spirits are down, I... I was uh, talking with someone just about a week or so ago, and they were saying, boy, I just don't know how I'm going to go on. I don't know how I'm going to make it. 
they were living in a way that they'd been away from the Lord for a long period of time. And I told them, I said, why don't you give God a chance for, for, the, next, for the next little while, just a month or so. Just sell out for God. Give Him 100% and see what happens. Oh, that we would learn to live in such a way that we're submitted to God's will. But when we don't, when we're rebellious, when we walk after the flesh and not after the Spirit, notice what the Bible says. They were brought low. Their heart, uh, verse number 12, they were brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. And we would look at that and we would say, boy, they they deserve that, don't they? In fact, to some of us in our lives, we've been there before. And the truth is, we could even look at our own life and say, I made my bed and I have to sleep in it. I deserve every bit of what I'm getting. I want you to notice. Verse number 13, Then they cried unto the Lord and their trouble. And what's the next phrase say? And He saved them. He saved them out of their distresses. Well, I'm glad I'm not God. Aren't you? Aren't you glad you're not God? I'm going to tell you, somebody that I loved and gave everything I could, even my own son in their place, that would rebel against me, it'd be all over. <laughs> Man, after all I've done for them, and they treat me this way, Not God. Not God. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Paul said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. God has made us free. We need to rejoice in that. No wonder the psalmist said in verse number 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The psalmist understood the faithfulness of God. We've got a week this week to give thanksgiving to God for His blessings and His goodness to us. And while I think we ought to thank Him for the material things we have, can we thank Him for who He is? For what He has done for me, what He has done for you. Verse number 17, we find another type of person, fools. Well, I found myself there too many times, haven't you? <laughs> Fools, because of transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near the gates of death. These are those that live in sin, and they bear the consequences of their actions. The Bible says that they are drawn near the gates of death. In Proverbs, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the way thereof are the ends of death. Heading down a road of destruction, wrecking and ruining the life. The story of the prodigal son comes to mind. He finds himself in the middle of a swine pit, still a child of his father. 
but he's in the swine pit. The Bible says he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. You know, the Bible tells us in that story that when he, when he looked up from the pig pen and he understood the situation he's in, one of the saddest statements, I think, in Scripture, he said, and no man cared for my soul. Nobody bothered to come and try to help me out of this place I was in. Well, I'm thankful for a church that I feel if anybody in this church had a problem like that, every other person would come and try to help them out of it. Try to lift them up. Get them back on their feet. He comes back to the Father. He says, I no more deserve to be called your son. He said, I just want to be a servant. What did his Father do? He embraced him. He killed the calf, had the banquet, rejoiced that his son who was lost is now back. Can I tell you, there are times we get away from God. Our soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and we draw near to the gates of death, and we bear the consequences for our sin. And if I were God, I would say that's it. But not God. Verse number 19, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. I love the story of Jesus as He is risen from the dead and He appears to His disciples on the shore of Galilee while they're out fishing. And Peter, you remember, jumps in and swims to shore. Jesus has a meal made for them there on the shore of Galilee. And after they were done eating, Jesus comes to Peter. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, Go feed my sheep. He asked him again, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He said, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest I love thee. He said, go feed my lambs. And then Jesus said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he was grieved because the Lord asked him the third time. You ever thought of that? Jesus, just moments before going to Calvary, had been beaten, was under judgment, Peter standing outside and then later on within the vicinity of Christ. He was asked, are you not one of his disciples? And he said, not me. In fact, how many times did Peter do that? Three times. Do you think Peter was going to bear the marks of that throughout the rest of his life? Peter jumped into the ocean. If I had been Peter, I would have swam the other direction. He swam to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And three times he gives Peter the privilege to tell him of his dedication and his love for him. Three times. And Peter stands up. Just a few weeks later at Pentecost. And preaches with the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. This the man who had denied Christ in his moment of need stands at Pentecost 
And God uses him in a miraculous way. 3,000 plus people come to know the Christ as their Savior that day under the preaching of Peter. There are times that we fail God. We feel like God can never, never use me. Boy, I tell you, I, Pastor, you just don't understand what I've done. God can't use me. Yeah, He can't. He can't. Look at Paul. Paul was arresting, beating, and even murdering Christians. And yet, he was used to write more Scripture in our Bibles than any other man in history. You say, can God still use me in spite of my faults? Oh, he's, he's banking on it. He's excited to welcome you with open arms. The Bible says in verse 19, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them. And by the way, His Word is always the healing balm, isn't it? He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And there we find the O again. Can you, can you almost sense the excitement of the psalmist as he pens these words? The joy that's flowing through his heart, because if anybody understood these truths, David certainly understood them, did he not? David, who had committed adultery and murder. David, who had defied God in certain moments of his life and turned from Him. But he always came back to God with a humble spirit and a contrite heart. God always opened his arms to him and said, He's still a man after my own heart. Boy, what a God. I was in college years ago. An old country preacher came to preach. I'll never forget. The title of his message was, There Ain't Nobody Like Him. <laughs> there was a song written years ago. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail-scarred. His side was riven. He gave His life's blood for even me. And all we can say is, oh, what a Savior. This Thursday, we have an opportunity to give thanks. And I think we ought to thank God for our families. I think we ought to thank God for our homes and our, our uh, material things that we've been blessed with. But in all of this, may they pale in comparison to our gratitude to God for who He is. We find the fourth one in verse number uh, 23. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Here are people that just the circumstances of life have overwhelmed them. Just that going about their daily business, it seems that they just can't go on. You ever been there? Any of you ever felt like this? I, I know I have. Like I was wheeling to and fro. Staggering around like a drunken man. Boy, where, where do I go next? Things are just, life is hard. Things are happening. What am I going to do? 
Look what the Bible says. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their desired haven. And by the way, one of these days we're going to reach our desired haven. Oh, what a joy. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people. And praise Him in the assembly of the elders. It's never ceased to amaze me that God's people, who have so much that has been given, seem to be so quiet about the fact. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 22, and this is our message, and we'll be done. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. That ought to be the goal of every single one of us sitting here today. This week especially, but throughout the year. It shouldn't just be a week that we spend or a day of, of setting aside that we say, okay, I'm going to give thanks to God today. Oh, God is faithful to us not just one day out of the year. But God is faithful to us how many days out of the year? All of them. We get to verse number 22, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. We can say, God, I'll give you my money. And He doesn't need our money, nor does He want it. God, I'll give you all this that I, that I have that You've blessed me with. What, what can we give God? He needs nothing. But there is a sacrifice we can give to Him. And that is the sacrifice of our thanksgiving. To give Him gratitude. Notice it says in verse 22, And declare His works with rejoicing. Can I tell you this? There's a world out there. There's a world out there that need to see our Savior the way you and I have seen Him this morning. They need to know of His grace. They need to know of His mercy. They need to know of His long-suffering and His faithfulness. They need to know that He is the answer to every problem in their life. And if they do not know, it's because you and I have not given the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We've not declared His works with rejoicing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. May we be a people of thanksgiving. Lord, not just this week, but Father, even in, even in the most dedicated of Christians' lives, there are tendencies for us to go through life without the proper gratitude, without reflecting on Your goodness, without reflecting on the wonderful works that You've done in our lives. Lord, so often we find ourselves in circumstances that Anyone other than a kind and a gracious God would have given up on us a long time ago. But Lord, not You. You have been so faithful to us. May we in turn be faithful to You to give You the sacrifice of thanksgiving to with rejoicing declare Your marvelous works. Bless the invitation. Lord, draw our hearts near to You. Help us to love You more.
If our hearts have grown, grown cold, I pray that you would stir them, fan the embers of the, the coals of our hearts, and may they turn into a roaring fire of love and passion and zeal for you. We would be a people of gratitude. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the invitation and use it as you would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. We'll have just the piano and organ play through a hymn of invitation of God's spoken.